You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, good morning. We're, we're delighted you're here with us this morning. You know, we love to create environments where people can come and explore Jesus. As a church, virtually every week since we planted the church, there's been people in the room who are exploring Jesus. And I just wanted to start by saying that and say, you are so welcome, if that's you. Our, our prayer is that you would find a place of of welcome, a place where you feel completely free to explore who he is and how much he loves you. And I, I kind of couldn't not start just by saying that. We love Jesus and we long that you would have a place in an environment where you can come and find out who he is. The Bible says he's the way, the truth and the life. And I, I pray that you'd come to know that for yourself. What is it to be a follower of Jesus? It's to trust him, to love him with all of your heart, to give him the whole of your heart and then to seek to live like him. And some of, some of you might even want to make that decision now, that just having spent time in worship of him, to decide that in the quiet place of your own heart, just to say, I'm in. I, I want to say yes to that. And actually, I'd, I'd pray for all of us. That would be our journey, that we'd come into places of growing more in love with Him, growing in our trust of Him, growing in our desire to give Him all of our heart, growing in our desire to, to learn, to take steps, to live like Him. And today, I just want to continue this little series we're doing called Courageous Faith. We want to be courageous in our faith. The Bible says it, that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. We want to be courageous in our faith. If you're joining us just for the first time today, this part of the context of this series is, is kind of as Matty mentioned, we're stepping out in faith, in, in courageous faith, a step of faith in seeking to raise the finances to restore really what is a landmark building in this, in this area to facilitate ways to serve the city, to, to impact the local people, but also to use it as a springboard to serve in a much wider um, capacity and way for the sake of this city. In, in the process, I hope, along, we dream that it will create many ways and opportunities for you practically to do the stuff that Jesus did. There's a little booklet you can take away. Matty mentioned it. We're going to have a giving day on the 24th. And re really to practically facilitate the outworking of our faith and our step of faith in, in this season. This season really is an invitation, I believe, an invitation into faith. Our hope would be that we would give in two ways. Firstly, in upfront financial gifts, and then secondly, as ongoing pledges on top of our regular giving, so that we might be able to raise the funds to do this. I'd encourage you, regardless of whether or not you give, join us on the 24th as we respond in worship to what we believe the Lord is prompting us to do. Last week I, I spoke about the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 where the, the few loaves and fish were multiplied to feed the 5,000 plus women and children plus the multiple 12 baskets of leftovers. The Lord multiplies what we give and we need 
the Lord to move. Today I, I just want to follow on from looking at the feeding of the 5,000 and look at the, the very next part of that passage. Um, it's a little bit in Mark chapter 6. Let me just read it. It will make a bit more sense if I do. But Mark 6 verse 45 says this. Immediately after this, so immediately after he'd fed the 5,000, Jesus um, insisted that the dis- that his disciples get into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hillside by himself to pray. You ever, you ever thought about Jesus saying goodbye to you, what that would be like? I've, I've really pondered that for quite a while. Would you hug him? I think I'd, I think I'd hug him. And then try and say, see you tomorrow, but actually stay with him until tomorrow because he's the kind of person you want to spend time with. But anyway, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hillside by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when, he saw, when they saw him walking on the water, they crowd, cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. As, as we look at courageous faith together, there's just a few things I, I want to draw out. And the first one from this passage is this, courageous prayer. I often think, maybe it's just me, sometimes we can feel bad that we don't pray enough, that we're not committed enough, that we don't give prayer all that maybe we should or maybe all that we think we should. And, and so often a conversation surrounding prayer can feel quite deflating and disheartening. When, when I was younger, prayer was something I just did in extreme circumstances. It was like, I've run out of options, I'm going to have to pray, that's the only one left on the table. So for me, naturally, that was French lessons um, that really significantly increased my prayer environments. And it, it was kind of like, Lord, help, 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 help. And um, sometimes that just strayed slightly off track from what I think is healthy or biblical, and it was kind of like, Lord, somebody in this school is going to need to hit the fire alarm because I need a bit more help. We've got to get out of this situation. But prayer was, prayer was like a help prayer. Lord, help. I didn't really have anything else. And I think there's something about being out of your depth that causes you to pray the help prayer. And on the one hand, I think the whole French lesson thing could be a bit misleading from the point I want to go and where I want to go with this. But I do want to stir us to prayer, to courageous prayer, for us to consider ourselves and place ourselves in environments where we've got to depend on God and Him alone in new ways. Verse 45 says, immediately after this, so immediately after they fed the 5,000, Jesus and the disciples got back into the boat, head across the lake, while He sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, He went up to the hills by Himself to pray. I love that he did it on his own. I think so often in this culture, we're always around people and there's so much going on. He goes off by himself to pray. What would, have, what would his prayer have been? He's just seeing the Father multiply 
the loaves and the fish. They've just fed the 5,000. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But also just that precious time with the Father. Jesus only spoke the words of the Father. So whenever he spoke, whatever we see written down, we've got the recorded words of the Father. Through intimacy with the Father, we're able we're able to enter into the life of Jesus and to do the works of Jesus. He's called us to do his works. It's part of the relationship that he wants to have with us. Ephesians 2 says, for we're all God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us to do long ago. Because we can come to God anytime, anytime, it's possible to continually ask him to show us the good works that he's prepared for us to walk into individually. I've experienced asking for things way beyond my ability to expect them to happen. But Jesus fills us with faith. The very thing that I thought was too incredible, too impossible to happen, has often happened. I would say that is exactly the case for me with this whole building adventure. I'm flat on my face learning new depths of prayer, new depths of intimacy with the Father. Jesus' intimacy with the Father set a new pattern for us to follow. He demonstrated this intimacy in the way that he talked to his Father in prayer. He didn't use like some kind of formal, religious, inaccessible language. He, he used the language just of a close friend. He, he prays, Abba, Father. He's, he's kind of saying, Daddy, Daddy, Dad, Dad. Jesus looked forward to those prayer times, you know, he'd, he'd heal the sick or he'd heal a crowd of sick people, he'd feed the hungry, he'd do kind of the thing that he's just done in the feeding of the 5,000 like this one, he'd debate with the Pharisees, whatever he was doing. Then just like here in this passage, he slips away and he spends time praying to his father. After he says goodbye to everyone, he goes up onto the hill by himself to pray. I, I believe this journey of faith that we're on impacts us on, on a number of levels. Firstly, we're partnering with God in the extension of his, of his kingdom. Th this is his, this is what he does and we're just seeking to do the stuff that he does. Secondly, I think we're on a journey as a church. We wanna be a church that does his bidding. We wanna do the stuff that he wants us to do. So we do collectively what he's called us to do and we have vision for that. We listen to his voice and we respond to it. But then thirdly and kind of crucially, this is your journey. This, you have a part to play in this. I, I want to use this moment in our collective journey to call you into a place of greater commitment. I want to call you into a place of greater intimacy with the Father, particularly through prayer. There is an individual prayer that seeks a greater level of intimacy and transparency with the Father, a greater level of dependency than just something we're doing collectively. I, I long for you to press in more. That This is a season where, would the, would the Lord just hear the cry of your hearts? I don't just mean the building, but would you, would you long for the Lord? Would you long for the presence of God, that the, the, the Father would move mountains in your life, because that's the God that we follow. Would you hear the cry of 
Would he hear the cry of your heart for the people in, in your lives? Would it shape, as he hears them, would it shape the outlook of this area, the outlook of this city, the outlook of the environments that you're in? To encourage that, it's kind of why we've done these couple of days of prayer and fasting, because for this vision to become a reality, we need a move of God. We need something that is beyond the natural. And we, it's not a building thing. This is a presence of God thing. We need, we need him to move in a way that is beyond the natural, beyond anything we can achieve or stir of ourselves. You know, this last week I was chatting to a couple who have recently planted a church down south. And I, I won't share all of the details, but it was quite hard talking with them. They said, Paul, basically this last year we have never in our lives face such resistance, such a backlash and such discomfort in all that we're currently stepping out with. Honestly, as we, as we step into all that God has for us here and seek to be obedient to his leading, I'm aware of that here too. I would say the same. We need to petition the Father. We need to long and cry out to God. We need, we need to step in and stand up in courageous faith. Could, could I encourage you this morning to step into a personal degree of greater faith? What, what's that going to mean for you? I, I guess it's going to mean different things to all of us, but for, for some of you, pray. Pray for two, day, two minutes. Two days would be great, but pray, <laughs> pray for two minutes. For, for others of you, it's, it's going to be more than that. But what is it just to see an increase in your intimacy with the Father. Step further into it. For some of you today, that would just be to say to somebody around you, will you, will you pray for me before I go? Will you stand alongside me? As we push into prayer, there's some little cards as you leave you might find helpful. We committed a while back for a, for a season to pray at 8 in the morning or 8 in the evening, not to be religious or create some kind of a methodology or formula, but just to say we want to increase in our commitment and our dependency in our intimacy with the Father. If, if they're helpful, feel free to take one. The, the second thing I really want to draw out is don't be afraid. Late at night, the disciples are in the boat in the middle of the lake. Jesus was alone on land. He saw, I love that, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it this morning, but he saw they were in trouble. The Father sees your unique situation and your stage of life at the minute. Sometimes you can feel alone and you can feel distant from him and you can think, he's, he's not, he doesn't get it, he's missed me. The father saw that they were in trouble. He sees, I love that. That's not the point, but anyway. Um, they're in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him, I love that, they saw him as he saw them, walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. How in this chapter of our journey can you learn to trust Jesus more? The, the journey really is about you as an individual as much as it's our collective story. I want to recognize Jesus. I want to have spent time with him, time in his presence, time praying with him, time chatting with him, time living life out alongside him that when I'm in trouble, when the, the wind and the waves are, 
over my head that I recognize and see his face. Equally in the more peaceful, quiet times that I recognize his faith, that, that I've spent time alone with him, that he speaks truth over me. That it, it realigns my, my perspective. Even some of what we were singing this morning, I'm, I often have those words just going around my mind. He's my father. He loves me. He'll never let me down. It's just the, the voice of the father speaking gentle truth over us. We need that. We, we want to place, I believe, ourselves in environments where we learn to recognize him. He saw them. He saw them and they saw him. You know, with this whole building thing, I'd say it's thrown me in again. It wasn't that I wasn't in before, but I've just found a new depth of throwing myself in, both, both feet in, and please excuse this illustration, I don't want you to get lost, but in many ways, doing this whole building thing has felt like calling a general election. Now, don't you see where I could lose you? <laughs> a snap election, but it's kind of like, do we have faith and trust that this is the Lord? Is this Him? And, and, and in many ways, I've often said it to Steph, it's like, I felt like it's a, it's a trust in us. Do you have trust in us that we've heard that the Lord has said this? And Steph's been great at diffusing that for me, because that becomes a fear thing. It's not, it's not about that. We have to do what we believe he's called us to do, and the rest is on him. It's not on us. But, it, but equally, what, what is it to learn not to be afraid? Because the opposite of fear is faith. And we want to press into faith. I want to walk by faith. I want to learn to have a greater trust of my Father. And I long for the same of you. Steps of faith lead to steps of faith. How do you see your faith increase by taking steps of faith? Small steps become bigger steps along the way. I, re I remember right at the early days of, of this church, just maybe it was the second week in, I remember phoning one of our trustees and saying, we're pretty close to the wire financially. You know, decisions of whether to spend 10, 15 pounds were, were, were going to have huge implications on, on where we were at then. And um, it was tight. And I, I look back over the last two and a half years and I see how, how the Lord has blessed us. It's, it's really quite remarkable. Equally, we go again in faith. What was £10 then has just got a few more noughts on the end now. But our, our commitment at the start of planting this church was, was to give 15% of everything that comes in away to things that just don't benefit us. It's just for the blessing and the benefit of others. We, we long to be a church that steps out in generosity. And I was away this week and um, I was helping facilitate the vineyards church planting training. There was a number of people who gather together a few times a year who are in the process of, of planting. And um, one of those couples that have recently planted, they've just moved to a new area and they were sharing some of their story. And they've just done their first gathering in their flat where they've moved and, and three people came. And uh, they're planning to do the next gathering and they were telling me some of the people that might be coming and it felt like such a huge step of faith for them. And they, they reminded me of the early stages of this church. The financial givers in that church currently are them both and one of their parents. And um, he said, we're about to do this next gathering and we've asked everybody to bring their friends. And we've told them we're going to pay for it all. It's all going to be on us. And he's like, this is a big step of faith. We, I have no idea how we're going to pay for it. 
what we're currently doing at the minute makes no sense whatsoever, but I know it's God, and so we're going to do it. And um, I text our finance team, and I said, as a, as a church of the 15, out of the 15% we give away, could we just make a little gift just to cover them for this next season in their early steps of faith? And I, I, I tell you that, I actually told them not to tell anyone, so don't tell anyone. <laughs> we'll cut that out online. But I... I, I tell you that not because I want to be, hey, this is what we've done as a church. We give generously, but we give privately. But I've told you all, so it kind of gone wrong. This, it isn't about us, but I want, I want to say we've got to be generous. In this season, we've got to be generous. I want you to know that we need to be a church that just keeps giving away. We've got to keep giving away. I'm, I'm excited for some of the money that we'll give. We'll have more opportunities to give it away to things that don't even benefit us because this isn't about us this isn't about meeting our needs the very building in itself isn't it will be a blessing to us but it's not for us this is about the city this is about sowing seeds wider than the things that we're even involved in that we even know about this is a kingdom mindset before god gives me anything sorry before god asks me for anything i've got to realize that he's given me everything before he asked me to give anything, he's given me everything. I, I know Jesus. I have relationship with Jesus. Whatever I need to give, God, I would say as I look back, has actually first called me to give it when I don't have any of it. Whatever that is, I don't just mean money. He's often asked me to give of time and resources and things in a way that I'm like, really, I don't have any of that to give. But he wants it all. Whatever God wants to give through us, he first has to do it to us. He has to mould our hearts and change our attitudes. And he often asks us to give it when we don't even have any of it. The, the reality is we could say, why are we giving money away beyond ourselves when we need every penny for what we're doing here? Well, that's because that's how the kingdom works. Give it away, give it away, give it away. It's not ours in the first place. Open hands, steward it. Give it away. The safest possible way to continue to grow in ministry is to give it away. You, you can't keep what you're not willing to give it away. We've just got to give it away. So when it comes personally with this giving campaign, I'd say pray. Pray, pray, pray. Seek God. We need his presence. He'll reveal to you what you might or might not give. Jesus may ask you to give far more. <laughs> he is with us at the minute far more than you plan to give. But he can give you infinitely more than you ever thought you had in the first place or dared to think about or even imagine. I don't just mean finances. This, this is really a heart thing for us as a church. I, I, wanna, I almost want to take the finances off the table, take the building off the table. This is a heart thing, and I think he's trying to shape our hearts. I just... I know I've said it before, but not everybody comes every week. And I really want you to know this, that with, with the finances of this building campaign, I just want to reiterate, Steph and I do not know and will not know what you give. That is so important you know that. I don't want to know, because this isn't an obligation thing. This is an invitation. More than anything, I'm longing for us that this is a heart thing, that the Lord moves in our hearts that he draws us into deeper relationship and deeper intimacy with him this 
This, I believe, it has been for me as a step change moment in our walk with him. Greater faith, greater expectancy. I pray on this journey that we're on that he does what only he can do, but ultimately that our hearts become more in line with his will for us. So the second thing, don't be afraid. The third thing, take courage, I am here. Take courage, I'm here. To be followers of Jesus, we need to find ourselves in and place ourselves in environments of challenge. Now, the challenge of challenging environments is they're challenging. It's kind of obvious, but I think at times this is going to be challenging because we need to place ourselves in those environments where we're challenged. We say it so often, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Sounds easy, rolls off the tongue. But to live that out, we've got to be people that change. The Lord really challenged me this week. I was chatting with somebody who lives near to us about this whole building thing, and I'm kind of using this journey. It's like a, just another way to have a conversation with someone about Jesus. So I've, I've used it as an opening to the conversation. I think it's I, how they work these things out, I'll never know, but apparently 82% of people, if they were asked to go to church, they'd go, but only 2% of people asked them. How they work that out, who knows? Sounds good. Well, it doesn't sound good. It sounds horrendous. Um, but this, this moment, I think, presents us with an opportunity to communicate Jesus and the gospel so easily and accessibly to those around us. So I'm, I'm chatting with this guy, trying to chat about Jesus, but we start by chatting about the building. And, and he says to me, well, how much do you need? And I said, uh, 150,000, sort of, probably a bit more, but that's what we believe we've got to ask the church for. It's more of a heart thing than a, you know, it's a sacrifice thing more than it is about money. And he's kind of looking at me like, and he says, oh, that's chicken feed. And I said, oh, no, 150,000, not 150 quid. Like, 150 quid's a lot, but I'm like, that's not chicken feed, it's 150,000. And he says, yeah, 150,000, that's chicken feed. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it, I kind of wish I had. I was like, I want to see the chickens you're feeding. Do you know what I mean? It's like, they're the kind of free-range eggs that you want to be buying. But, um... 150k chicken feed and I was kind of like I went in and I told Steph what he'd said to me and I told her three or four times she's like I know you've told me it's like because it was just you know when you're like reliving the moment I'm like chicken feed anyway as as a church the language I hope we've used is equal sacrifice not equal amounts to some people I guess like this guy it's chicken feed um but I, w I went away and I was actually as I pondered it I was so challenged not because I think it's a small amount and not because I don't think we need to make a sacrifice because actually I think this is a heart thing. But when it comes to faith and when it comes to vision, this is just the beginning. How exciting is this? Like to the Lord, it is chicken feed. He can move mountains into the sea in faith. In this passage, Jesus walks on the water. Sometimes you've just got to step back and say, well, if this is the Lord, it's chicken feed. Feels quite good to say that as well, doesn't it? <laughs> but we worship a God who moves mountains, who walks on the water. What's excited me about this faith journey of the last few weeks, and I've heard it from some of you even this morning, is I believe it's starting to activate some of you in faith. It's almost like you can see some of the things that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, the Lord has said or stirred or... You start to see some of the vision that collectively we've got coming into being. And you're seeing some of the things that weren't as though they are. 
And that's faith. And you're starting to see your part or your role or just maybe, just maybe, just maybe actually God might want to use you or might want you to be involved, which I genuinely believe he does. But faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. See, this is just faith. And I think it's activating. And we're in the earliest days of all of that. But isn't it exciting when we live in moments and we step out in moments of faith? Some of the prophetic words and voices that have been spoken out over this church are kind of remarkable. I had a guy contact me this week. He's, he's not in this church. And um, I don't really actually know him that well. I know he's known as having prophetic words and as giving a number to people in the vineyard. He's had 17 dreams about us as a church, like sleep dreams, not like vision dreams. I think they're different. But in the, in the last couple of weeks, you know, the alignment of some of those words he's having, where I look at them, I'm like, it's almost like you know, but I know you don't know. Honestly, the Lord is stirring something. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Moment... Like this, I believe, call us to greater commitment. If nothing else, would, would you see a door of opportunity for greater commitment? I long to call you into that. Take steps in to greater commitment. What, what does that actually look like? Well, place yourself in environments of challenge. Now, the challenging thing is challenging environments are challenging, but I think it's good for us. So find environments of challenge. The building of the church is the people. This isn't about a building. This is about what God is doing among us. The people of the church are the people that will shape the city because we're alive in him and we call others into life. So really, this is a call to commitment more than anything else. I believe the physical building is actually quite symbolic of involvement and investment. That's what we're being called to, is greater involvement and greater investment. Now, some of you have some of you are and some of you will come to life as you step into those environments because this really is a heart thing so i just want to encourage you this morning to increase it what you're seeing what you're sensing just step in further get join a team join a small group if you if you join a small group go to it regularly if you go to it regularly find a way that you can serve the leaders of it because we're a body and we're a family but also we're an army we're called to not just be, but to do. This really, doing all of that, I think, is just part of the journey of discipleship. It's how we grow. It's how we're shaped. We do it through relationship and the investment in serving and being part of what God is doing. It's how vision and values develop and grow in us. It's how our relationship with Jesus grows as we place ourselves in intentional environments where we're around other people. Is that always easy? No. But we're called to be a family, and that's where we're molded and we're shaped, and the Lord starts to outwork all that he wants to do with us as individuals, as much as the collective. You've got to, well, you haven't got to. I long for you to see your part in this as individuals. Take courage and step into the next chapter for what the Lord has for you personally. Verse 51, he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. I want that. Imagine that. Not just when the winds and the waves are coming at me, but not just when I'm afraid, but all the time. I want to recognize Jesus and have him in the journey of my life 
with me to submit and to surrender all that I am to all that he is. Don't you long to be people that just say yes, yes, yes to him, to his ways, to his plans. I long for that for you. Seek out environments of challenge. It's partly what's going to bring it. To not just theoretically attend church, to, but to be church. That's the calling. It requires, and I think it calls for commitment. I'm, I'm not talking about feeling guilt. If, if now you're sat there feeling guilt, this isn't like it could have been with a prayer thing where you're like, well, I could list off all the ways that I'm not living it out or where it's not happening, all the ways I wanted to but I haven't been able to. This isn't guilt. Don't hear guilt. This is invitation. Courageous commitment, courageous faith, courageous courage. It says in the passage they were amazed. That's fascinating because on the one hand, I want to be totally satisfied in the Lord. On the other hand, I want to be totally unquenchable in my thirst and my longing for more. I want to be desperate for the miraculous, but then when it does happen, not so amazed because I didn't think in the first place that God could have just done it because that's what he does. Do you, do you see what I mean? He is able, and I trust that he's able, I'm amazed and yet I long for more amazement, but not because I don't believe that he's amazing in the first place. See, sort of see what I mean? Let me explain that another way. The fourth and the final thing this morning, verse 52, they were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. That's what I'm trying to say about this whole amazing thing. The disciples' disbelief took the form of misunderstanding. Even after watching him miraculously feed the 5,000, they still almost couldn't take the next step of faith and believe that this was God's Son, even though they're seeing him walk on the water. If they had, they wouldn't have been amazed that he could walk on the water because they'd have known that's just kind of Jesus. That's what he does. The longing I have for us on this courageous faith journey is that our hearts wouldn't be too hard to take in all that he wants to do with us individually. We, are you, is your hard heart, sorry, is your heart hard against or from having the receptivity of what Jesus wants to do with you? We can be informed by what his word says. We can be amazed at how he's working in other people's lives. But we can then refuse to believe that he wants to do something in us or with us or even see that he comes to our aid in time of trouble. He saw them before they even saw him. Instead of hard hearts, I'd encourage us, take courage. Take courage. Trust that he's there for you. Faith is trust and faith is risk. Here's one of the dangers. There's probably quite a few, but here's one of the dangers in a moment like this for us as a church we can be amazed at what the Lord is doing but it can become something that's for others rather than for us wow God you spoke to them but you didn't speak to me wow you get it you see it but I don't get it I don't see it wow that's amazing and that's going to work for you you live just down the road and all these kind of different dynamics, but it doesn't work for me. I'm not really part of this. Just a few examples, I think there's a, 
danger over this step of faith that's actually much wider than just this step of faith. I want to encourage us individually to move from curiosity to commitment, from admiration to adoration. Seek, seek out the Lord personally. Step in with greater faith into all that he wants to do in your life. I, honestly, I love you enough to lead you beyond yourselves, to lead you beyond where you are and the comfort of where you might find yourselves. Don't stay where you are. Come in deeper. Take a greater step of faith, of commitment, of adventure, of challenge. Faith isn't stored away, maybe like money in a bank. It's, it's growing. Let it grow. Grow in faith. Take daily steps to renew your trust in Jesus. God, God has a dream for each of us. God has a dream for you. A tender or powerful seed that he would want to embed in your heart. Our calling really is to allow that God seed, that destiny to be birthed day by day through prayer, through Bible reading, through abiding in him, through following his voice, through courageously often letting go, letting go of our false self, of other people's expectations. We're called to live in faith. We're called to be people of faith. We can't sit back on what was or what has been. We've got to go again. My, my prayer for us is, Lord, soften our hearts. Soften our hearts. Jesus' leadership was empowered not by a sense of duty or obligation or a desire for him to build an image for himself, but out of compassion. You know, we see that when we looked last week at the feeding of the 5,000. He moved out of compassion. And my prayer is, Lord, soften our hearts. Stir us again. Not out of obligation, but out of compassion for each other, for others, for the people that he came to save. It's, it's, a, it's a fact that poverty is reduced in society where the kingdom of God flourishes. Isn't that amazing? World history shows us that the good news of Jesus, when lived out in society over a number of years, many years, often tends to see an upward lift in that society. Would that be the case? Do you dream of that? I say in faith, in courageous faith, Lord, soften our hearts that that might be so. I dream of that, that this society, even round us here, would see an uplift as a result of the presence of God, of the kingdom of God being lived out in us and through us, as he draws you in as much as us in to all that he wants to do and all that he's already doing as we partner with him in what he longs to do in this community. Why don't we stand together? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Thank you.